Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's the show that sometimes fantasises when the streets are cold and lonely and the cars they burn below me. If you get that reference, then you're going to really enjoy the next 40 minutes or so. And if you don't, that's okay. Keep tuning in because this has all the makings of a really fascinating chat. That's because today we're chatting with City supporter Mike Bagshaw, bassist from the Clone Roses. Hi Mike, how's things mate? Hello, yeah, um, strange. I guess they are for everybody at the moment. So I'm just sat in my uh, little man cave, which is like my city bar um, in the <laughs> cellar. So I'm spending a lot of time down here at the moment. Um, me and my uh, city memorabilia and, and beer. What else do you need? <laughs> this is very true. So for the uninitiated, who are the Clone Roses? <sighs> okay, um, the Clone Roses... Uh, does, does what it says on the tin. We're a Stone, we're a Stone Roses tribute band. Um, we've been going for whew, I have about twenty, well, over twenty years now. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's what we do. We entertain the masses with a bit of a live Stone Roses hit, I guess. Mm. Well, I mean, Mike, for those listening, Mike is too modest to say so, but the band <laughs> are without question one of the finest tribute acts on the circuit. Um, well established, extremely well regarded. I think it's pertinent to all of that as well is if you go and see Mike and the lads, it doesn't really matter if Manchester passed you by or even if indie music isn't your thing, you're in for a brilliant night. Which brings us to Spike Island, the resurrection, which is is going to be a brilliant day. And this Saturday was going to be a brilliant day. Can you explain to everyone kind of what, what's happened with that? Or, or what was the original idea behind it? And, you know, is it still going ahead? Um, yes, well, we'll be going ahead. Um, at the moment, we've got a rescheduled date of the 12th, Saturday, the 12th of September. Um, but obviously, you know, everybody watching the news and whatnot um, is probably looking slightly doubtful now. So um, it will get moved to next year if that's what we need to do. But but it will happen. It definitely will happen. So um, if anybody has tickets now, they can keep hold of them and all that. And they did want a refund, they can do. So, it's all, you know, that's all official. By all means, go out and buy one because it will happen next year, if not this September. So, yeah, we've done, um, a, a, well, we recently played a anniversary of the Emperor's Ballroom gig, the famous Stone Roses yes. gig, Blackpool Emperor's Ballroom. Um, so, you know, we're always sort of trying to think of ideas to, um, you know, what can we do now? Obviously, we've been going over 20 years. Um, so, how can we you know, freshen things up and what ideas can we do? And we spoke about uh, the Spike Island thing for years. I mean, it's such um, a huge logistical nightmare of a show to put on, as you know, in the So it's on the actual same site? Yeah, it is. It's on uh, the the same little jut of land uh, (laughs) in the Mersey estuary. So, you know, there's all sorts of... uh, There's there's people, I mean, it's not me, there's, there's promoters behind the scenes who are doing such a brilliant job. Um, so you know, we it will it will happen. It will happen definitely. And it's going to feature uh, other bands as well. Yeah, yeah. There's loads of um. We've got um. So I mean, it's obviously not like the set the day itself, which is more Stone Roses, obviously in DJs. But we've got loads of Manchester-based tributes on to the Smiths, James, Happy Mondays, Oasis. Um, we've also got Clint Boone's coming down DJing and um. Yeah, so it's a it's a, it's a it's a full day. It'll, it'll be a great day once we can get it going. Yeah, oh, it sounds like a great day, and it's a great kind of lineup. And uh, and yeah, fitting tribute to a very strange day. I've um, that was the most 
was the most chivalrous thing I've ever done was Spike Island. I was um, 14 and there was only one other person in my year who's really into the roses and it just happened to be the fittest girl in our nice. kind of year. So <laughs> there's no chance of any romance, but, you know, it was just friends. <laughs> yeah. but me, and, me and her went anyway when we, we went there on, on the coach. Weird kind of day, you know, they were kind of patchy, really, the band, and obviously there's all these DJs throughout the day and stuff, boiling hot day. Um, and then when we went back to the coach uh, at the end, the, the, the driver said, oh, there's only room for one of you because there's a few kind of, you know, just paying to come back. Now, now I'd say, well, I'm going to have paid to come and go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was 14, so I just went, oh, okay. Um, so I said to the girl, right, you, you get you have a seat and I'll find my own way home, but I had no money at all. So I'm like 14, I'm walking around witness, um, bit scared. And yeah. I just went to this taxi rank and I just asked everyone, do you live in Wales? And someone <laughs> magically said, yeah, I'm going to Wrexham. So um, he let me kind of just jump in with him. But even then, I live like 10 miles from Wrexham, but the taxi driver was uh, a lady and her son was 14. So she said, right, you know, if you were my son, I just want to take you home. So she, she took me all the way home for free. How jammy is that? I know, I know. At the time, because <laughs> you know when you're that age, I didn't even think anything of it. It was like... No, you don't, do you? You don't you appreciate it. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's take basically, it Basically, you got a lift home from your mum. That's how that panned out, really. I know, it's the shittest Spike Island story ever. I got a lift <laughs> I home like it. with it's a good. surrogate mum. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a genuine and honest Spike Island story, because yeah. I've heard a lot of, uh, well, uh, slightly dubious ones over the years. Yes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> So taking it back to the band and going right back to the beginning, um, how did it originally come about? Um, well, our singer, uh, Gavin, and his brother, Tony, they're both in the band. Um, Tony plays the guitar. So Gavin, it's, it's a really stars in your eyes type story, this. Hmm. Um, but Gavin was at university at the time down in Alsasia, and um, he was just singing along to Stone Roses songs in the shower. Just one of his mates went, oh, you sound really like Ian Brown. <laughs> so he just had that in mind and was talking to his brother and like a couple of days later going no sounds this guy reckons they sound like him Brad. Tony d- didn't know any of the, the wasn't really a Stone Roses fan I mean he's got in some sense but it, he's kind of like a bit of a hard rock fan really right. so he went oh I'll take that challenge so gets out his guitar starts learning the parts next thing you know them two like got this little duo going on and basically, I was the guy in the pub who had a bass. So they asked me, <laughs> did, I, did I fancy? And I was, I, I was a fan of Stone Roses, um, along with what, uh, different things as well. And the first thing I thought was, that'd be great. I'd be able to play in front of people. People want to come and see us. Yeah. And that was my first motive. Because I'd been in bands. Um, I'm from, I was brought up in St. Helens. So I'd been in bands around St. Helens and Wigan and Witness, sort of that area. And you just get used to going into Manchester or going into Liverpool with all your kit, playing in front of the other band, then they watch you. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I, I, so that, that was the first thing that, um, that the first thought I had was, oh, great, we could do a gig and there'd be more than 10 people there. Yeah. Uh, was there a moment when you were kind of rehearsing where it just clicked? You thought, hang on, we really do kind of sound like these guys now. We've, we've got it now. I think we were pretty bad. Right. <laughs> at the beginning, if I'm honest, we had a, a drummer, and um, and I don't want to slag him off because it, 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 but he was again, he was an hard rock fan, and he played the drums very meat and potatoes, if you right. like. Um, so, um, 
and Rennie's such I mean that's, that's the, the hardest hard, that's, the hardest, that's yeah. the hardest gig in our band is Rennie because even such, you know, people might think you know obviously John Squire and all the kind of doodling and all the rest of it mm. but if you can play guitar then you can kind of have one, a hell of a lot of fun doing that can't you but yeah. How, how the hell do you mimic Rennie? Yeah, it, he's such a unique style um, and he's such a strong musician. So I think for a while, for them first few years, I mean, them first few years, we were just playing sort of social clubs and labour clubs around yeah. the North West. So, um, but yeah, and, and eventually, so st- uh, the, the first drummer, I don't want to mention his name, not that he'd be listening, but <laughs> um, he left and we got another guy in, um, a lad from Bolton who I knew. Um, I went to university with him and uh, that took us a, a, a bit of a step up um, yeah. so we started doing like slightly bigger gigs but when it really clicked it was probably we'd probably been together a good I don't know how long we've been together a good five or six years and eventually um, Ian moved on and we found our drummer Phil who we still drum with now yeah. and um, Phil's um, Phil's plays jazz gigs over right. all around like Greater Manchester area right. um, he's based in Salford but he likes rock and other stuff as well. And that was that was when it really gelled for me, was yeah. getting Phil in, because he can he was capable of playing them parts. Yeah. Well, what fascinated me, because um, I've, I've seen you guys twice, and, and um, it always fascinates me seeing kind of tribute acts. And I feel like I'm being diminishing in, in calling a tribute act, because in your own right, you're a brilliant band. You know, you perform to people, and it's everyone's buzzing off you you know, that night. So well, that's cool. But the, where's the balance struck between kind of replicating the look and the movement of the band and also being a band in your own right, who happens to be performing that night in front of a paying public? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, we do our best uh, with clothes and instruments. Um, I know uh, Gavin, our singer, he studies Ian very carefully. Right. He tries to get the right ma- uh, mannerisms and movements and whatnot. Um, I can't remember, to be honest with you, if <laughs> I moved like Manny did when he was younger or if that's how I play the bass or it's, I've, I, you know, I, I just get, get, sort of the lines got blurred over the years. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I kind of naturally sort of like, you know, it's that swing in the... He's been more static in more recent gigs, hasn't he? I mm. think in Heat and Park and the comeback shows and I think I've got too much nervous energy to, uh, to, to be that still, so... Um, but it's but no, it's kind of you to say that, and I, I do believe that within us as a band ourselves, we do gel, and yeah. I like to think that we come across, even though we are a tribute band, I like to think that we come across as a real band, and people, I mean, you know, people can get into it in that way. Because I've been watching tribute bands, and some of them are good. It's like anything in life, isn't it? Some of them are good, and some of them are bad. And I've been, I've watched some tribute bands, and I've cringed. I think this it just doesn't. Yeah. But then I've seen other tribute bands and I'm totally on board, you know. Well, what you do you think is, I mean, as an outsider, my personal take on it, what kind of um, separates the really good tribute bands and the bad ones is the bad ones maybe think, oh, right, well, the singer is kind of, you know, dressed like who he's kind of supposed to be and he's, he sings like him. And we've got kind of a couple of people who can play instruments around him. Whereas you guys are a band. Would you go along with that or, or was kind of... Is there, is there something more? What, what kind of separates the good and the bad? Do you think? What's the secret? Yeah, that, that's 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 a good point. Um, like I said, I'd like to think that we, if I feel like a band when we're on stage, mm. you know, and I think we do gel in, in that sort of genuine way. Um, yeah, I, I think probably the fact that we've played together for so long. I think some tribute bands they sort of like get 
get a lot of depths in and they'll have like a bass player for a few months and then another one yeah. and another guitar player will come in, you know. Maybe it's a bit of that. I, I, I don't know. I can't speak for... It's hard to put into words, really, isn't it, when you... Some, well, you know, absolutely. If you've been doing it for so long, I mean, it's it's, it's your life, isn't it? It's, it's, you know, it's natural to you. So to kind of try and analyse it must be really hard. It's probably better for kind of the people around you to analyse it, I suppose. But, um, yeah, because if someone asks me about, I sometimes get people kind of DMing me on Twitter asking about writing, you know, like a young lad might say, how do you break into it? Or how do you write this? And really hard to kind of say because... I just basically get up in the morning, turn the computer on, and write. It's I don't yeah. analyze it, and so yeah. I guess the same applies. It's um, it's, what you, it's what you do, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's what you do. Yeah. Um, so, what's your biggest ever gig, um, and what's your most memorable gig? Are they one and the same, or there's been a few? Um, there's been a few over the years. I mean, about around about ten years ago, we supported uh, the Happy Mondays at Brixton Academy, and they did was, a comeback show. Was Manny there that night? He was there that night, Blimey. yeah. Which, which was a bit, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a good story on that one as well. So, so anyway, so we we opened on the Saturday night. We were doing the Friday night and the, and the Saturday night, and it was called Forty Eight Hour Party People. Right. So, um, so they threw an extra band on Saturday to get the doors open early, and we just did warm up. But um, as soon as we came on, it was, it was like we were first on. It was like no one in Brixton Academy. There's five thousand people. I mean, it's a famous thing. How many live? The albums have you got from Brixton Academy? Yeah. So I, I was That's like, true. I was like, I was really, we were all really nervous. Nobody said anything on the way down to London in the van. Like, <laughs> and, uh, so we got on stage. I, I, I heard bad recording. It's awful. We play at 100 miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we're on stage doing something. And all of a sudden, 5,000 people in front of us. So, you, you know, next thing, a wolf whistle behind me. Bloody man, he stood right behind us going, <laughs> like that. So I'm like... <laughs> It was so surreal. I was like, ah, you know, like, I've got to play this right now, haven't I? So, um, but, but he was great. He was great. We, we spoke with him backstage. I mean, anybody who's, who's met him will know he's just a really nice down-to-earth guy. So approachable, you know. Um, other, other gigs. Um, that was 10 years ago. What else really? Uh, we played the Isle White Festival, um, yeah, exactly. which was really cool, all going down there. And... Um, uh, we did a, a festival in St. Helens last summer, summer before, which was really great. About 6,000 there. Right. And we also, like I said earlier, did the uh, Blackpool Emperor's Ballroom. And we do the show now, like the comeback gigs, uh, or the way we play the songs and the instruments we use. But for Blackpool, we went back to the Blackpool set. So that, that right. was really great. And that was a great night. That that, that was a, Some nights you're on there and it's like, this is the best job in the world you know and, and and that was it was like that that night it was great really do you remember night. what you wore for the black girl one it was um what did you have yeah oh, was it the black and white question. stripe kind of it um, wasn't was it because that was what he wore that's what he uh wore at granada wasn't it when he did the, yes. the, the yeah. yeah so it wasn't that it was like a, i've got the outfit upstairs and man's gone blank it's like a baggy red t-shirt sort of thing yes like it, was, it was yeah and he had a yeah. little ponytail didn't he, that night I think. that's right yeah, yeah. so I, I grew my hair up about my hair's grown out again now but that's more down to the fact that there's no hairdressers but yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that that was really great gig that was a great gig yeah what's um I guess you've been asked this a thousand times. What's what's your favourite song to play? Um, <laughs> it's it you know we all we all love playing uh, where angels play. 
Right, yeah. Um, it, it's just, I don't know, we really like, we feel like we really gel as a band when we play that, and it's a different uh, pace. To the other. Obviously, it's great playing the big hitters, you know, Yeah. Um, and everybody's up and jam- dancing, you know, jumping up and down, throwing beer and whatnot, but uh, something about that song we all, we all sort mean, of agree on. I know technically it's a double A side, but it's still, yeah. essentially, it's a B side, isn't it? And yeah. Rose has never got the credit for that. It's always Oasis. You know, Oasis are the band with all the great B-sides, but some of the stuff off the albums from the Roses were just extraordinary, weren't they? You know, Mercy Paradise and, well, yeah. listen yeah, on they, and on. It, um, absolutely. Because yeah. we played all, them all live, you know, their live favourite songs, like you said, you know, yeah. B-sides and whatnot. Yeah, so great. do you have a song that you hate playing? <laughs> um... <laughs> Ten story love song. I think basically, right. I've got nothing against the song as such, but it, it, it took a little bit of learning that song. It's yeah. a little bit. It's a lot of concentrating on the bass when you play that one live. So I'm always sort of very focused on on on, on what I'm playing rather than the audience. Yeah. But it, it, it's become like a mental thing. You say you're from Buckley, aren't you? You seen us at the Tivoli. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we we went we played the Tivoli once, and uh, I had like we were about. 20 minutes before we were out on stage and I convinced myself that I couldn't play that song. I right. remember a note. And it, it's referred to in the band as, as the Buckley Buckle. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So I had like a complete meltdown. We, I can't, I like, we can't play it. Like, I'm begging him, like, please don't play 10 stories or song. So anyway, we played it. I was fine and I got through it. But it's just, <laughs> so every time we play 10 story love song, if anybody comes watching us when we play 10 story, you'll watch, I'll just be staring at the guitar and we'll not be looking anywhere but the neck of my guitar so well, you played it that night i remember because that's one of my favorite um songs and, and just a weird kind of anecdote um a couple of years ago i said to my then girlfriend now wife that you know we met, i mentioned that that gig and she said oh, i was there that night as well and i said oh where were you she said, oh, i was to the left of the stage just on that little platform bit and it holds maybe you know 15 people mm. and i said that's where i was so before oh, we met that? I mean, just a tiny little tweak of kind of fate, and it could have been, you know, where, where I first met my wife. But yeah, it was weird yeah. to think that we were there right next to each other, pretty much, before right. we actually met. There so, you go. Yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah. We're making dreams come true, aren't we? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was with her then boyfriend back then. Oh, yeah. 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 That could have been awkward. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's a big fella. <laughs> <laughs> How far back have you gone into the back catalogue? Um, have you played any of the kind of lesser-known songs from Garage Flower or anything like that? Um, no, we've not. I, I, Gavin, our singers, um, I was being a bit apprehensive about playing him. I think, mm. I think from a vocal style, because Ian's quite different, it's very more punky and more raw. I think yes. Gavin's a bit worried about that. I think he's also a bit concerned about... Um, it seems to divide people, doesn't there? Really, so people like it or people don't, you know. So, I mean, personally, I love it because I, I love punky stuff and goffy stuff like that. It's very chameleons in it, that yes, sort it of. Was, yeah. um, so, I'd love to, but uh, we haven't now. So, probably like Sally Cinnamon. Um, and well, Adored's an old track, isn't it? But, yeah, well, that yeah, was on there, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So, sadly not, but I'd like to. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I guess. You know, if you're halfway through a gig and it's going brilliant and you throw one of them in, it's going to really appeal to maybe 10 people, but alienate maybe kind of, you know, 150 people. So it's... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've mentioned it before online on Facebook, uh, on our Facebook page going, oh, I loved it, you know, and and yeah, it, it does divide people. Yeah. Like, it's rubbish all that. There's only <laughs> government money, George, you know. 
than in other people. Um, but I like it. So sodden, sodden everyone. Maybe I should just play it for myself. Absolutely. But I think that, that, <laughs> that should always be the case for any, you know, there should Absolutely. always be one or two songs where basically the band are playing it for themselves, you know, for enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do get that, yeah. Um, does it bother you as a City fan that the band have kind of strong United associations, uh, Ian and Manny are both Reds and this is a ones played ahead of each game, of course, at Old Trafford. Um, is it also true you're the only City fan in the band? Um, well, yeah, the second part, yeah, I am the only City fan in the band, but then I was brought up in St. Helens, so I'm probably the only City fan in St. Helens. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I am. Um, but saying that, Gavin, again, the singer, he, he's a United fan. Um, he, he goes a few games, um, so so he supports them. But Tony's brother, the dad was United, but Tony, Tony's not bothered, he really doesn't right. care. Our drummer's a rugby fan, really. More than, well, he's originally from Cornwall, Phil, so... I see. So, so he, he supports Liverpool. Oh, <laughs> so, okay, yeah. but, he, but, but he doesn't. He's never been, and he, he doesn't claim any allegiance <laughs> to it. Um, as, as for the Stone Roses, well, that's just one of them, isn't it? They're, they're from Manchester, so they have to support one of the others. Mm, okay. <laughs> Um, and this is the one fair place to United for using it because it's a great song to pick from coming on, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean that's the thing. Do you? Because th- I often think this. Do you think that City missed a trick back in the day by not fully embracing Manchester? Because you look at how they so closely affiliate themselves to the to the Gallagher's a few years later, and it's hard not to think that you know if the Blues could have been the coolest club around in the late eighties if he'd done so. I think. Um, the Gallaghers were the ones who sort of brought that football element into it. I mean, I remember being younger with Stone Roses and I never really thought about what football team they would have supported. Yeah. We'll, we'll get onto that probably at some point, but uh, I, I was never a huge football fan when I was younger anyway, uh, yeah. to be honest with you. But um, so I think the Gallaghers brought that in, but probably, yeah, I think it's a good point. I mean, I, I think City have always been, <laughs> but not even agree with this, but I've I always found, I, thought, I always thought City were cool uh, yeah. in that sort of like, it, 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 being from St. Ellen or being brought up in St. Ellen, you know, you, you, it's a bit close to Liverpool, I know, but you're sandwiched in between these two big cities and you've got them four clubs and City were always a bit, well, I know, because we were pretty poor during the 80s and 90s, to say the least, at times, but um, there was always something cool about them, something a bit underdoggy and... Uh, I, I don't know. The humour, you know, inflatable yeah. bananas and Frank Sidebottom, for example, you couldn't have had, it wouldn't have worked if Frank was a United fan. There would have been Agreed. nothing funny about that, would there? Yeah. United had like really serious, I was United like this really serious club, you know? Yeah. Whereas uh, I think City are naturally I cool. more. I mean, I, although I completely agree with all that, it does kind of lend itself almost where they could have really embraced Manchester, maybe more than United, because what, well, as best as best as I know, United didn't at all either back then. It was only later, wasn't it, when they kind of did so. But City, it was it was there for them. They could have, I thought. I mean, you know, when you stood on the Kipax, you know, there's people that kind of you know offer ads basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Watching the game and, and then like they play kind of I want to be a door or something at half time and and everyone be getting a bit of a groove on. And you're thinking, yeah. you know, just really embrace this, but yeah. they never did. And Yeah, I missed a trick with that. But definitely. especially with all the bananas and all the rest of it yeah. was around at the time, you could have, yeah. 92 away kit. Oh, God, yeah, 92 away <laughs> kit, yeah. Bananas, having a rave, put them all together, coolest club in Britain. Absolutely. <laughs> missed, a, missed a trick there, definitely. Yeah. So, kind of back to the roses, um, why do they remain so iconic for you? I... There's certain bands, isn't there, um, that sort of just capture certain scene, 
a certain scene at a certain time perfectly. Mm. I, I think the Stone Roses have that. I mean, that first album as well is is so strong. Um, it, it's a real, I mean, it's, it's a classic, That's isn't it? Yeah. I think they crossed over as well. I mean, I seem to remember when, when I was younger, I, I was like uh, into like back in the 90s, earlier 90s, with all like free festival stuff. And, you know, you had bands like Osric, Tentacles and all that. Yeah. So, and I think there was a thing with Stone Roses where people from that sort of scene liked it because it had that trippy hippie element. And then at the same time, it was connected with that more laddie football culture thing. And I think they're just one of those bands, aren't they? That, that I don't know. It seemed, that's how it seemed to me at the time that everybody liked the Stone Roses. Yeah. And, and also, well, I think Stock Aiken and Walkman play a huge part in, in the rise of the Roses for me because, you know, music at that time was awful, wasn't it? I yeah. mean, in the late yeah. 80s particularly, I mean, it was Sonia and Jason and Kylie and Brass and it was atrocious um i remember ian brown saying famously in one of the enemy um interviews about you know getting in and stamping out phil collins um you know and getting to number one and all the rest of it and yeah it, it was just so authentic in comparison to that kind of manufactured plastic horrible kind of jingly jangly well yeah everything about stock and walkman just leaves me cold <laughs> and, yeah. yeah so i think that played a big part for me um and also just I don't know, something just magical happened in Manchester at that time, didn't they? Because yeah. there's certain scenes where you can go back to these scenes and you can go, okay, really, only one or two of those bands were actually good. It was just that, you know, around that time, you know, I'm thinking particularly around Birmingham with kind of, you know, um, Neds and kind of Wonderstorm. Mm. There were some crap bands around which were also included in that scene. But Manchester, James, Roses, Mondays, yeah. Spiral Carpet. Yeah. Charlatans to an extent, because obviously Northwich, yeah, but sure. fantastic bands. Yeah, yeah, you do. You were just tripping over. Yeah, that's 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 in Manchester. I mean, that back, it goes back to what you said about City City. <laughs> you know, that was there for the taking. So it was, connect yeah. to something that was so, you know, and so Mancunian as well. And City are like so Mancunian, aren't they? You know, exactly. You know. That's, that, that's perfect. Yeah, because like United, obviously more global even back then. Um, and certainly around the country, and obviously the joke being that you know everyone in Surrey supports United, and yeah. it was so parochial, it was so Mancunian, and um, and everyone wanted to be Mancunian. I mean, God, I was when I was fourteen, I used to tell everyone the truth, but I used to tell everyone that my granddad was from Manchester. You know, it's like I've got a bit of Mancunian blood in me. <laughs> well, you know, that, 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 I'm the same here. That's sort of why I'm a support city because. Um, my granddad's from Manchester, uh, and obviously his father was. We come from Hardwick originally, so yeah. I know my great granddad used to watch City at Hyde Road. So wow. my granddad knew it. Unfortunately, my great granddad never came back from uh, Normandy in World War One. He died of swine flu, which is right. a bit of a <laughs> concerning topic at the moment. Yeah. Uh, never came home. Um, but my granddad knew this and he liked Santa City and he can't, he ended up in St. Helens with his mum because his mum was originally from St. Helens and he, she moved him to there. And then he was brought, he, he actually saw Bert Troutman play, not just for St. Helens Town, but play for the Prisoner of War team on like some field in St. Helens. I so wrote I, I was about brought that a couple of years oh, ago. What's that, sorry? I, I, sorry, I, I wrote about that a couple of years ago, that game. No way, the Prisoner of War yeah, one. Yeah. Past Stocks in St. Helens, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my granddad was that that match. Yeah. So I, I was brought up with all these sort of tales, and um, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of that, that sort of Mancunian uh, bloodline, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, my, the thing with me, really, where my granddad, he, his hero was Bert Troutman, and um, I, I put on Twitter last week that I love the fact that my granddad, you know, I've gone through the Second World War, his only prejudice for the rest of his life really was Germany and Germans, and, you know, he'd <laughs> never buy a German car and all the rest of it, and yet his hero was, you know, a, a paratrooper in the yeah. German army, so... Yeah, um, like- yeah, it's a, it's a great story. I mean, I, you know, I'm not surprised we made a film of it recently. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, what was your kind of first city game? Can you remember it? Well, if <laughs> a little bit earlier in the in the conversation, I mentioned when I was at school, I was never really a big football fan. Mm. I liked um, City because I knew about my great grandfather and my granddad told me these stories about Troutman, um, but. I liked him, but I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a supporter as such. So I was just sort of into music. I was also terrible at sport as well. Right. As a, a I was terrible at football and so I think it, that turned me up. Plus, my dad t- tried to set me a few times. He took me, took me to the rugby league, which obviously, you know, St. Ellen's is a yeah. big rugby league. So yeah. I hated it. I found it so boring. You know, I hated rugby. I, I really did. So I just think I got turned off sports. So, it was only a bit later when I was 18, uh, a friend of mine used to get free complimentary tickets uh, <laughs> because his granddad or something like that worked at Salford Rugby League yeah. and he used to get tickets in the main stand. So he started, I started going with him and, and so I was about 18, so it was 1996 right. um, against Barnsley. We lost 2-1 <laughs> and Nigel Club scored for City. Oh, and you think that would be enough to put me off for life, Absolutely. but I, 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 somehow I was... Like the punishment, so it really kicked off for me. Was when um, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, my girlfriend at the time, she moved to Manchester to, to study there mm. and got a house shirting in Rushholm. So I, I I moved in with them, yeah. And um, there was a guy there, a lad there, who was a, a huge city fan. All his family were, and so I was just started going main road with him regularly. So that would have been like the third tier of the 98-99 season right and then the season after that was season ticket and that's that's that was it ever since really you know yeah well yeah I mean that is a great time to kind of start attending regularly and funny enough that was when I I didn't tail off but that's when I kind of gave up my season ticket around then well in the early 2000s um until then I don't know for a good period of what would it be, 15 years, I was, I was going to season ticket older and then I just started going to as many home games as I could. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I kind of missed out on some great times with, with Keegan, you know, that, that particular season. Yeah, I, remember, I only went like two or three times, but um, yeah, whereas I went and saw some real dross <laughs> week in, week out. It's, it's all about timing. My dad is a United fan. He stopped going... Uh, about 89, I think it was, because United lost 1-0 to Wimbledon and Wimbledon just hoofed it. I mean, you know, long <laughs> ball, 90 minutes. Wow. And on the way home, my dad said, that's not football. And bear in mind, my dad used to go 60s and 70s, start of the 80s, home and away kind of thing with United. And on the way home, he said, that's not football. I'm, I'm, nev- I'm never going again. And so he missed out. <laughs> oh, he missed out on all the glory. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that's it. I, I, I did start right at the bottom, I guess. You know, one thing that I really regret, though, is I um, I never saw the Kipax. I never saw the standing Kipax. So yeah. when I started going, it was the uh, the, the seated stand. I actually ended up in um, Block AA of, uh, of the Kipax before right. before the move. That's where I ended up in the corner by the Gene Kelly and the way. Yeah. The way and, um, 
but yeah, so I, I missed all that. So I, I've had like, uh, you know, on Twitter, you mentioned it, I've shown pictures of, oh, Miss Main Road and some older guy, or, yeah. or, or my age or even younger, go, that's not the kid back, that was, you know, <laughs> but, but, but that, that, that's how I remember it, you know, yeah. so... Yeah. So I do your... miss Main Road terribly. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. every time I drive, you know, obviously get to the home game, I drive past kind of roughly, it's just there on your right, and uh, every time it's like a little heart Yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. I've been a few away games with um, the supporters branch, coach the, uh, coach the Mostonian one, and, and they go from the Etihad, they'll go through Manchester and pick up, and then they'll pick up near where the stadium, uh, where Main Road was. It's probably, you know, they, do, they still pick up from there, you know, yeah. it's probably honouring the tradition of it. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. I yeah. hate it. Yeah, same yeah. yeah, it's weird. So who was um, your favourite ever player? Well, it, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because we've got such great players now. Mm. Um, it's hard, you know, these players are spite of world-class players so but like I said going back to then that's when I sort of started going regular and that was sort of like when I fell in love with the club um, and if one player sort of you know summarises that whole sort of time period for me it's ready to choose from but I'd mm. go with Sean Gota oh man yeah. yeah I mean you know he's not, obviously not the greatest player to have played for City but his goal scoring record oh, you yeah. can't argue with and you know the songs Feed the goat, who let the goat out? It, you know, it's it brings back a lot of memories. So, um, and he seems like a really lovely bloke as well. That's the thing. Yeah, that goes a long way with me. Exactly, same with me. It's, it's a big part of it for me. And knowing that you know, I, I've interviewed him as well, and he was such a lovely fella. Put put you at your ease, and you know, so nice. And that's a big part of it. It's I, I want the kind of distant heroes to be assholes, <laughs> but, but I want the kind of you know touchable heroes, if you like. Um, to be really nice, and he's he's absolutely one of them. Um, so, how have you found the recent years and the Pep era? Has it been kind of wonderland? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, obviously this season, well, he knows what's going on with that now, but um, <laughs> it's been a little bit hot and cold, I suppose, to the, to the high, such high standards that have been set. But oh, it's just been amazing, isn't it? You sometimes you're just watching it, and it just like it's like jaw open sort of stuff, isn't it? You yeah. know, I mean, the players, like I said. You know, Likes of Kevin De Bruyne and you know Bernardo Silva and, and Sterling, it's just insane, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I think how I feel about the club when I'm at a game isn't sort of any different than if I was watching Nigel Clough score against Barnsley. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just—I it, mean, it's real breathtaking stuff, isn't it? I, I, I don't want to think of what the world will be like when mm. Pep leaves City. You know, it's yeah, yeah. I don't want him to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we um we did a pod a couple of weeks ago talking about the possibility of that happening, and God, that was a depressing podcast. It really was. Yeah, wait, it would would replace him. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's just yeah, it's, it's weird, but you know, it will happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, so as you said, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season. Um, and again, that's actually something we discussed on the pod. The fact that we're missing out right now, really, on you know, precious pep time. <laughs> Because you know he's yeah, definitely be around forever. Um, mm. But what's your personal preference for how the season should be concluded? It's such a tough question, that, it isn't is. it? it is. uh, there's no, there's I mean, no ideal answer, is there? No, I'm, I think if like uh, taking all the logistics and contractual things and reality out of the situation, I guess yeah. for me, for me, playing behind closed doors is just no. You know, what is you know? I know it's the money in that, but 
at the end of the day, why, you know, if somebody said to me, why is football so special? You know, at the end of the day, it's like you live, work in a live industry, you know, a, a live entertainment industry. We can't play gigs in front of nobody, you know, and that's what yeah. football should, football without fans, as they, as they say, football without fans is nothing. So um, they probably, well, there's a good chance they might go down that route. I don't agree with it. Ideally for me, if you were to just ask me, I just think stop, start again when it's safe to. Mm. Um, but, you know, it doesn't quite work that way. And then the other two options are points per game on null and void, but both of them options are both really unfair on different clubs for different yeah. reasons, aren't they? So, yeah. you know, what, what you're doing, points per game, I suppose that honours the clubs that have, in a more positive way, that have been playing well to that point. But then, <laughs> how many clubs do put put in good runs towards the end of the season and come oh, out of relegation yeah. and come up into playoff places? So... I mean, no matter what the kind of solution they go with, there's always going to be, you know, a flip side, someone saying, ah, but, I mean, you know, the points per game, for example, but someone could easily say, well, hang on, you know, most of our remaining games were at home against teams yeah. below us in the league. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it, there's no it's easy a, answer. It's a weird one. And I, I, I don't like to say, you know, because if you're saying null and void, all Liverpool supporters are like, well, you're only saying that because you're saying well, And yeah. I, 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 I only, look, it was funny for about a week, but the whole... For me, the whole situation is so depressing that I don't get anything out. Personally, I I don't take any joy out of Liverpool not winning it. Um, They deserve to win it and they should win it. And they've got so many points ahead. It's just ridiculous. But it's not just about Liverpool, though, is it? Like I said, it's about promotion and and relegation. And also, (laughs) we could have a trophy treble. Exactly. Exactly. But there's bigger problems in the world right now than football. And for me, I just think... We shouldn't even be talking about it, but there yeah. you go. And, and also, a factor that not many people kind of, well, certainly because Liverpool just seem to be drowning everyone out and kind of so loud, particularly on social media about it. Um, but the season now just feels done. It yeah, feels it old. And it's, you yeah. know, you look back at, um, I was remembering kind of um, the victory against West Ham, opening game of the season. That feels like three years ago now. Yeah, There's so crazy. much has happened since then. Um so I think if it does kind of drag on and creep into kind of June without any kind of concrete plans being put in place, um, then yeah, I think people just say, look, let's just, the symbolism of a fresh start is important, yeah. I believe anyway. Um, yeah. So even if a new season starts in October, um, at least then it'll be something new and then we can embrace it. Even if it is behind closed doors, which is anything but ideal, um, yeah. but at least it'll matter then. Whereas, it's just like reheating a, a week old takeaway, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I agree. I'm so that. glad you said that about kind of Liverpool as well, and because funny enough, that's what I'm writing about next for the 9320 blog. So um, I'm just a bit fearful of doing it because it goes out, and then you know some city fans will agree, and some might might not agree, um, and you, and you think, okay, I'll watch a film now with the misses, and next thing, you know, a Liverpool fans read it or share it on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, and then oh, for the rest of your night, just your phone's going chirp, chirp, chirp. <laughs> it gets savage on Twitter, doesn't yeah. it? I, I, the amount of times I've, I've I've wrote out something on my phone to to post and deleted it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's a real dark rabbit hole you can get led down. Yeah, really I, and I wonder how how I don't know. Just there's a, there's a lot of people on there who've never set foot in a, a football ground <laughs> that they yeah, claim exactly. to support anyway. So you, yeah. Yeah, savage, savage world is Twitter. It's a savage. Well, it's a savage world right now. Full stop. And <laughs> it is, um, yeah. and hopefully, um, 
it won't be long before we can go to the football again and go and see brilliant bands again. And um, and I, I can go along and kind of reminisce um, and go to see you guys at Spike Island and hopefully this time secure a, a lift home. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We'll sort it out. <laughs> so don't. Yeah, I was going to say, if anyone kind of wants to go, um, they can check out. You've got a, a website, Clone Roses. Yeah, um, cloneroses.co.uk. If you go on there, it's a list of our shows, and um, they've all got ticket links. So that's probably the best place to go. Yeah. Um, like I said, <laughs> it's all a bit crystal ball at the moment, it but is. you could rest assured if you buy a ticket or you have a ticket, all, all will be well. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, mate. It's really appreciated. No, no, I've enjoyed it. It's been good. Cheers, man. Well, uh, take care and um, keep well. And the same goes to to our listeners, of course. And um, as ever, up the blues. Indeed.